How are you guys tonight? Thank you. I feel it. Appreciate that encouragement. <laughs> um, so good evening, folks. Uh, my name is Rick Howard. This is my wife, Michelle. Um, as Drew said, we've been married 22 years since 1996. We have three sons. Uh, Will, our oldest, just started his freshman year at Samford University over in Birmingham, while our younger sons, Ryan and Ben, both attend Lake Highlands High School. Um, our presence tonight on stage at Reengage is another example of be careful what you say to folks on staff at Watermark. Um, from a casual conversation I had with Susan Cox, uh, who helps lead Reengage down in Dallas some six years ago, about some lessons Michelle and I have learned during our marriage, came a hey, you ought to share that at Reengage sometime. Uh, request from her. So here Michelle and I sit sharing our experience um, with your re-engaged group flanked by an empty couch of all things. So uh, our hope in this time we have to share is a little bit about our marriage and the journey we're on and also maybe provide some practical lessons you might apply in your own family and marriage. Uh, as a starting point, just so you don't think that we are products of these perfect marriages that um, we thought we'd share a little bit of our own respective stories. Um, I'm gonna go first since my family story is far too common, pretty simple, because uh, I already have the mic, that helps too. Um, so I grew up in an undivorced home in South Georgia. I say undivorced on purpose uh, because that really is what my parents' relationship was and still is after 60 years. I've, I have no memory of my parents being happy together. Uh, in spite of spending a lifetime in church, my parents never pursued anything more than a typical cultural marriage. In July, uh, their anniversary passed without celebration or fanfare or even a dinner out at Luby's. Um, they've never considered divorce as far as I know. I've never heard them talk about it. However, they also never worked on their marriage. They never sought counsel from others. Um, they never tried to move towards oneness in marriage. They never strived to love each other the way Paul described in Ephesians 5, selflessly as Christ loved the church. And they really never attempted to resolve any past conflicts that built up between them over the years. Um, and so that's what, looked, that's what 60 years of undivorce looks like. So as a result, my family story that I brought into marriage was what Michelle and I would call an extreme case of do the opposite of what I thought my parents would do. Um, whether it was dealing with conflict, with money, with kids, or a host of other common issues, my instinct was to think about what my folks would do and do exactly the opposite of what I thought they would have done. In hindsight, that, that wasn't the best approach to develop a healthy marriage, excuse me. But in those early years, I figured it beat my parents' marriage model. So over time, however, it became clear I had to find a better way to share life with Michelle if my marriage was going to be all that God intended. And, it, and so that was at least the starting point. So we want to put a picture up on the screen of our family. And this is a few years ago, of course. You'll see a more updated picture in a few minutes. But I love this picture on the screen because it depicts the craziness of life for most couples that we know. Kids are the center of the marriage and everything works around their needs, wants, and schedules while the parents are separated from each other by the lives they've set up for their kids. Our three sons have always been, in, have always been able to fill our days with lots of activities, sports, band, choir, small groups, serving with our church, and a host of other good things and commitments compete with our time, to get, time together as a couple. Add to the mix that I'm a third grade teacher and Rick's busy work schedule and quality time together for us becomes even more precious and hard to come by. How we've been able to move from a child-centered marriage to a couple-centered one is what that led us here tonight to talk to you because the former was not what we wanted our home to look like. As with Rick, my approach to this issue starts with my parents' home. 
I came from the exact opposite home life than Rick did. My family had its own challenges, but the one thing my parents modeled for me was how a husband and wife could be best friends. I did not grow up in a Christian home, but my parents loved each other in a way that I know honored God. One of my fondest memories growing up was each morning walking into our family room and seeing my parents sitting together by my dad's roll-top desk. They were just drinking coffee and talking. They did this every morning without fail. They were also great about taking trips together each year without kids and having regular date nights. Until the day my dad died in 2003, my parents were best friends. So the model I brought into marriage was one of making time together a priority each day, and that was my expectation for our own marriage. Rick and I dated for six months before we engaged, and we got married six months later in July of 1996. He was 32, and I was 26 when we got married, so we were not a young and naive couple that thought married life was just an extension of the honeymoon. Thankfully, at the time, we were in a good church with an excellent pre-marriage class like Watermark's Marge class, and we had an excellent pastor who counseled us a half a dozen times before we were married. We prepared as much as we could for marriage and both felt like we went into marriage with eyes wide open. Early on, spending time together was easy because it was just the two of us. We had opportunities to travel and were for the most part free to do whatever we wanted to as a couple. There was no need for a formal plan of hanging out because there were very few distractions and interruptions. The one major obstacle to us Uh, The one major obstacle to us spending time together was my chronic migraine headaches. When we first married, I would have two to three migraines a week. They were so severe and would make me so sick that I would have to go to bed for the night when I had one. And because of that, we would be a night or two a week. There would be a night or two a week that we did not spend together. So four years into our marriage, Will, our oldest son, was born in April of 2000. Michelle's migraines had gotten a little bit better by then. So that other, in, other than increased fatigue and Michelle's new role as a stay-home mom, the birth of our first child really didn't alter our plan to hang out together consistently because, frankly, he was sleeping most of the time uh, or in bed early as he got a little bit older. Even when we added our second son, Ryan, 23 months later, we were still able to carve out time together. Um, our boys were in bed by 8 p.m. most nights. Interruptions were typically limited to eating and cleanup. But over the next few months, our lives would change dramatically as Michelle unexpectedly got pregnant with our youngest son, Ben. That was great news to us um, because we were clear wanted to have more kids. But if you do the math, you'll figure out we also had a 27-month-old and a four-month-old at the time. Um, So we could already see from our older friends like Kyle Kegler here at Watermark um, with multiple babies how different life was going to get when we went from man-to-man parenting to his own parenting. in March, then in March of 2003, when Michelle was seven months pregnant with, with Ben, our youngest son, her dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. Three weeks later, he passed away, and suddenly our very orderly life was turned upside down by his death. Um, this was a tremendous shock for us because of Michelle's close relationship with her father, um, the impact on her mom, and the suddenness of his death. Combine that with a new baby coming two months later, and we were about to start the most challenging time we'd experienced in our marriage. So after Ben was born in June of 2003, Michelle also battled um, postpartum issues along with depression from the loss of her dad and really to some extent even the loss of her mom uh, as well because she struggled over the grief of her husband and best friend, as Michelle said. You add to that the fact that we had three babies who were 37 months old total uh, from start to finish, and her time and energy and her heart was truly reeling emotionally. As a result... Uh, As you can imagine, our easily arranged nights together became a struggle to carve out time. 
uh, our time really became the kids' time, and it seemed like all we did was care for kids, go to bed, get up the next day, and do it all over again. It had the feel of the movie Groundhog Day, if you're familiar with that flick. Um, on top of that, Michelle's grief from the loss of her dad really lingered for a couple of years. And so it was during this period, our marriage was challenged even more than ever before. And at the top of those challenges was the, was the t uh, absence of time together. We had no plan for how to change that. And it really left us unsure what to do. I think back on those days and remember how hard and challenging they were for us. Rick and I struggled to communicate well and spend time together. For the first time, we saw just how difficult marriage could be and how hard work and how much hard work it took to remain close as a couple. God calls us to love our spouse above everyone else, and we discovered that that is really hard. Many times when he came home, I felt like a pressure cooker that was just waiting to release the valve on top. Grief, migraines, and babies were all an emotional strain on me that would not go away. Around this time, our community group decided to go to a parenting class, and it was during this class that we first heard the, the term couch time. The idea behind it was when the husband comes home from work, the wife gets the first quality interaction with dad rather than the kids. For us, it was a reminder that aside from pointing them to Christ, the most important thing we could show our boys was a strong marriage. Practically speaking, what it meant for us was when he got home from work, Rick would walk in the door and give the boys a hug, and then he would immediately come find me and engage with me for the first 15 minutes or so. After my day of caring for the kids, it was so nice to sit and talk with him, to have an adult conversation, to tell him about my day, and to reconnect with my best friend. For us, that 15 minutes of couch time was a metaphor for time together. It might be him sitting on the kitchen counter while I cook dinner or sitting at the kitchen table and talking. Over time, it evolved to even more time with the over time, it evolved to even more time after the boys were in bed around 8.30. We would spend the evening together, usually on the couch in our den. Sometimes we would watch TV, discuss the things that we needed to talk about, or simply share what was on our hearts that day. The goal was to be together. We learned from those conversations the importance of touch points during the day with phone calls or texts. What our boys saw what our boys saw in this over time was how important our marriage was to us. So important that our time together as a couple was a priority over everything else. So as our boys got older, the world began to creep more and more into our lives. We recovered from the loss of Michelle's dad and the stress of having three babies in three years. But as we exited the baby stage of life, uh, we entered the world of kids' activities. Um, having myself grown up in a small town uh, in an era when sports I played were based on the season of the year, um, where overcommitted mid you had piano lessons on top of the one sports you were playing, the pace of normal childhood in Dallas was quite shocking to us. Um, friends with older kids said our boys needed to start playing sports as early as three or four years old or they wouldn't have a team to play on later. They also said every kid played multiple sports even if they overlapped. And of course, they had to do private lessons and select teams if, if, uh, if they had wanted to play high school sports or college sports. Um, if you saw our kids, you would know that was not potential then or now. So um, at the same time, I was also making a huge job change uh, in 2010. I left my law practice of 16 years and joined Watermark staff um, to help lead our international ministry efforts. Um, this one-two punch of increased time pressure created big challenges to our commitment to spend couch time together every day because as we walked through the kids' activity minefield, we also encountered the transitions of transitioning, the challenges of transitioning from law to ministry. 
See, all I knew about being a missions pastor was how to get lawyers from Dallas to Congo and back safely. Um, gives you a lot of faith in the leadership around here, doesn't it? Um, look at Drew. Look what he's doing. So, My job at Watermark, I quickly discovered, was much bigger than, than that, and my initial response was a huge miss um, as my natural tendency to work as much as needed to get the job done without regard for anything else. Like That's what I do. I just dig in and work harder. As a lawyer for 16 years, unless I had a big jury trial coming up, um, my work time was at the office during the day. I knew how to be a lawyer. So work did not, uh, did not usually follow me home. After my job change, my typical day became heading to Watermark about 6 a.m. and heading home about 6 p.m., giving Michelle and the boys two very unpurposeful, distracted hours before bedtime, and then out came my laptop and back to work I went. When our oldest son was the only one playing sports, the impact of the boys' activities was manageable. But as we added Ryan and then ben act Ben's activities to the mix, it really got busy really fast. And we decided if we let all three play multiple sports at the same time, our couch time was going to be submerged in a sea of practice and games and other activities. Alone time, family dinner, spontaneous fun would all go out the w window for months at a time if we embraced what, we seemed to, what seemed to be the Dallas norm for kids this age. So in spite of what many around us were doing, we put limits on our boys' activities. One sport and one other activity is all they had. With three boys, we were gonna be busy no matter what we did, but our decision to limit what the boys were doing allowed us to make our time together as a couple, our couch time, and with, a, with them as a, family, a, as a family of priority above everything else. Uh, this decision solved part of the time together problem as we used those limits to build in our couch time, but what it did not cure was my obsession with work. Uh, after nine months of being on staff, me working all day at the office and jumping back into work at night after the boys went down, Michelle one night announced, this is not what I signed up for. That's code word for I liked you better as a lawyer. Uh, that was a wake-up call for me. It reminded me that Michelle did not just want my presence, she wanted my attention. It was clear that was not happening while I was obsessing over my new role at Watermark. With the help of our community, with my staff team, we worked through those challenges. We developed a plan and we began to protect our couch time. And that allowed me to be, a, be faithful in my job and be faithful at home. One of the things this couch time is modeled for our boys is that our marriage is the most important relationship in our house. The boys know that we love them dearly and that they are a gift to us, but they know that Rick and I love each other more. Well, we want, to model, we want to model this for them so that they have the same expectation and model going into marriage. Rick leads our home well in the way he loves me and he cares for me. He tells the boys, I love you, but I love your mom more. They understand that it doesn't mean he has a lesser kind of love for them, but that God calls him to love me more deeply than the way he loves his sons. I love the verse from 1 Peter 4, 8 that says, and above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that what we want to be about, loving our spouse deeply? Isn't that what we want our kids to see? Apart from Christ, there is nothing good in me, absolutely nothing. Rick married a sinner just like him. And when I love Rick the way Christ wants me to love, it is so much bigger than the way I want to love. I'm so thankful for the way he loves me in spite of who I am. So as Michelle and I met with Susan Cox a few years ago in preparation for the first time we gave this talk, one of her questions for us was about our spiritual walks. In some ways, the question was easy and the answer was predictable. Michelle and I both spent a lot of time before and during marriage alone in God's word, being discipled and discipling others and taking advantage of the many opportunities to be equipped at Watermark and other outside ministries like BSF. So the answer to Susan's question was pretty simple. We would both say we have a strong relationship with the Lord and we can see how much stronger our relationship is when we are abiding with Christ. 
John 15, five reminds us that he is the vine and we are the branches that apart from him, we can do nothing. Uh, I don't know of any area of my life where this verse rings truer than my marriage. For us to love each other well in spite of the flaws and shortcomings we have is nothing short of miraculous. We have found during our marriage that when we are not abiding individually with Christ, we suffer as a couple and our boys suffer as well. But Susan was also looking for insight into our walk together with Christ. And I hate to say abiding as a couple has always been a weakness in our marriage. Um, in 22 years of marriage, we've never really found what you would say is that secret sauce of spiritual intimacy. We pray together with our boys. Um, we talk about uh, what we're learning in God's word in our separate and quiet times and studies. We grab a prayer when something specific or significant pops up. But we've never, even to this day, been as consistent as we would like in spending time in God's word or prayer away from our kids. So if you ask me where are we always trying to take around, this would be the area I would list first. As the world rushes towards us faster and faster, the need to pray together for our marriage, for our kids, their friends now and in the future, and the lost folks that God has put in our path grows each day. So we want to show you one more picture. The first picture we showed depicted the craziness of life when we let the world control our home. Boys and their lives in the middle and us on the outside. This picture shows the perspective we strive for and need to have. Our marriage is the center of this family. The kids are the addition. Rick and I can create oneness by spending time together. As a wife, I am drawn more to Rick when I spend time with him. I feel like we're connected deeply when we share our hearts with each other. We sent our oldest off to college in August and our youngest is a freshman in high school. We are much closer to being empty nesters and grandparents than to bringing our first child home from the hospital. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, Rick and I have continued spending meaningful time together because our desire is still to be the best to be best friends when our boys start their lives apart from us. Our marriage is a ministry, and spending time together keeps us focused on God's calling for our marriage. So, no matter how we plan, no matter how we plan this out, whenever we have a chance to tell our story, there's all, always lots left on the cutting room floor. They only give you like 15 minutes for this. Um, <laughs> There are folks in this room, and certainly we, we do this in Dallas even more so, that know us well, and they are thinking, you guys left a lot of that story out. That's because they know the imperfections that we brought to marriage. They know our character and our personalities. They know how I'm far more often known for my sarcastic humor than being a man after God's own heart. They know how being short-tempered and sharp-toned with my family is uh, my most likely form of communication some days. They'd say, Michelle, uh, can be too much of a people pleaser that she struggles to admit fault with me. Uh, I say all that to make sure you understand we are very imperfect people, but our hope is in a perfect savior in Jesus Christ. I'm almost seven years older than Michelle and I often tell people that I believe God prepared me to marry her by helping me mature during my 20s and early 30s. If we had been the same age and met in our mid-20s, I'm convinced Michelle would not have put out the flames on me if she had seen me on fire. She would not have been drawn to me because I, my life looked nothing like Christ. Christ was part of my Sunday obligation, not my daily relationship. Likewise, I suspect I would have found her to be just a little bit too nice for my taste. I would have mistaken her gentle and contrite heart for someone who was a goody-goody rather than a Christ lover. But in spite of what we would call God's perfect timing for connected us, in spite of great pre-marriage counseling we received, and in spite of being surrounded and doused by great role models for marriage, we would still tell you it takes hard work for, to make our marriage a relationship pr a priority. 
In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about marriage for a whole chapter. In verse 28, he reminds folks in, the folks in Corinth and us that those who marry will face trouble in life. Paul knew that if you put a couple of self-centered people together uh, under one roof for an extended period of time, there were gonna be hard days. Michelle and I are no different than most of you. We brought a lifetime of baggage into our marriage in 1996. The formula for trouble that Paul talked about was there from the beginning. No matter what you do over the course of your marriage, that baggage is gonna be unloaded. And what you do with the contents will have a tremendous impact on your marriage. For us, we decided we were gonna be cycle breakers from our family histories of separation and isolation and not following Christ. It meant looking to God's word and his people for wise counsel. What that meant practically was ordering our lives in such a way that God is first and marriage is second and children, our boys, are third and everything else comes somewhere after that. It also meant that sometimes our boys are really disappointed because we don't put their wants and desires first. When we wrote that and they were in elementary school, we thought it was bad. Now that they're in high school and college, it is amazing. Um, what we found the past four years is our oldest has moved through high school and especially this past year as I transitioned off the Watermark staff and back to my law practice and that Michelle has taken on some additional roles at school is that in spite of our well-made plans, and some years of success and making our relationship the most important one, couch time only gets harder as the kids get older. Early last month, it was clear to us that we were both not in a good spot in our marriage. Far too often, we were short with each other when we talked. We were not assuming the best in our communications with each other. With each other. We seemed to be just disconnected in our relationship. The result was one of those really long nights of constructive criticism, confession, listening, and working towards reconciliation. So if you hear nothing else tonight, hear us say that this will always be work for us, just like I tell you, it will be work for you. The couch is frankly nothing more than a metaphor for spending time together. The message that the couch delivers to both us and our boys is that we cherish each other above all else, that nothing, no matter how much we love it uh, or how important it is to us, will come between us. No matter where you are in marriage, I wanna encourage you by reminding you that God knew how hard this journey would be and he's anxious to help your marriage be one that honors him. In John 16, Christ says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when we look at our marriage, we see a story that's more consistent than compelling. We don't have one of those you know, horrific stories. We've been consistent in not settling for less than what God desires for marriage to be. So as we close, um, we really can leave you with a few thoughts that might help you in your, that pursuit. First, we wanna encourage you that it's never too late to break the cycle of your family, your family history and your own marriage by making your own couch time each day. Second, for many of you, the first step in breaking that cycle is as simply as changing the focus of the first 15 minutes in the evening. And then third, the timing for our talk this year is not coincidental. This is frankly the time of year that you're making decisions about priorities for your family. The temptation to make all those kids' activities the focal point of your home will be there. But, you, but we urge you to not let that happen. You, husband and wife, are the most important relationship in your home. Your kids will be blessed when they see that. And finally, 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 above all else, abide with Christ and others who share his vision for marriage. Absent an intimate walk with the Lord, this will be a very difficult challenge, change to implement. Thank you for listening.